0: We do have Gina with us. I want to welcome her to the show and had a chance to see her again today at Mel Tucker's press conference. How are you, Gina? I'm doing good. How are you? Good. Uh, What did you think of uh, Mel today? Maybe a little less stress uh, than he had (laughs) last week and uh, a lot of other weeks this season. Yeah, I
1: think last week. He was doing everything he could to say the right thing at the right time. You could tell that he was definitely working off of what he needed to say, which is totally understandable in this day and age. Um, But this week leading up to, you know, a a kind of boring Rutgers game, just because of the last two weeks we had the rivalry game and then we had the week after. So two crazy weeks. So this one was a little bit more calm. Yeah, like you said, a little bit less stressed out than we have seen.
0: <laughs> when you get Mel Tucker away from the podium, he's different. He's, uh, he's very personable. Uh, he's not guarded, and he will ask you questions. He likes to interview other people. Might be a bit for you at some point down the road, but uh, I can't wait till the next time I have that kind of exchange. He asks me a question, I'd say, uh, I really can't say anything because there's an investigation in progress.
1: Yes, you're totally right. I um, was covering the Lions-Seahawks game, and I interviewed Kenneth Walker in the locker room. And Kenneth Walker, quiet, reserved, and then I brought up Michigan State, and he kind of just lit up and, you know, opened up and was talking to me. And so I told him, well, I'll see Mel Tucker tomorrow. I go there on Mondays. And so he's like, oh, tell him. I said hi. So I saw Tucker in the hallway, and I told him that story. And he lit up. And I was like, yeah. "Oh my gosh, it was a totally different exchange, but I get it. And you see, you really do see the same stuff with Jim Harbaugh. Everything they say, everything they do, how they answer is dissected by all of us. Yes. so um, yes. social media age, this is kind of what we get. So no, uh, we understand
0: <laughs> well, you you might be smarter than the rest of us. What did you make of Michigan State's performance Saturday? and? As 16-point underdogs, how surprised were you?
1: It's interesting because I don't know if surprised is quite the word because those are the type of expectations I think we had of this team early on. Um, Mm -hmm. I thought it was very impressive. I think maybe more impressive is the word I would use than surprised. Like you said, going on the road and facing a ranked team after having just gone through all of that. But I think a lot of times that's when teams – come together is when they're forced to come together. So, like he said today, I think that's what the Spartans were forced to do. And it was a huge win and, honestly, a relief, too, because you do you do hate to see a team continue to fall um, facing issue after issue. So, to get that one off their back, I think, was huge. And now you have a Rutgers team ahead of them that, if they can beat Illinois, they could probably handle Rutgers at home as well.
0: Yeah, and you can't put anything in the win column before the kickoff. I think uh, we were reminded of that again this weekend. But uh, Michigan State in a position with back-to-back home games against last place teams in Rutgers and Indiana. And uh, when you think about that, the, the two teams below them in the Eastern Division standings, if they could get a couple of wins, uh, suddenly they're bowl eligible and there was a time when a lot of people thought they'd be collecting helmets after the Penn State game.
1: Right. I mean, after that Minnesota game at home, it was yeah. it was so surprising. And then you couldn't help but look down the schedule and see what they had ahead of them. But on right. the opposite side, like you said, they have two good chances ahead of them now to maybe next year you look at the record or you look at the paper and you're like, okay, that wasn't as bad. You know, as it seemed, maybe you forget going through the day-to-day, but two huge chances ahead of them for sure. Um, and, of course, after the struggles just on the field, and then, of course, what they've gone through recently. Two wins to add to, la- to this past weekend would be huge for this team.
0: We're talking with Gina Trotman from uh, WXYZ Channel 7. Works with uh, my buddy Brad Galley, who's a Michigan sports caster of the Year. Uh, When you think about uh, Michigan State, and so often, Gina, they have gone uh, from peaks to valleys and then back up uh, the mountain five times in the last 15 years. They've had an excellent year and then a precipitous drop and then come right back up. And uh, I think about this season so much like 2012. Uh, They had just had an 11-win season just like last year. And then it looks like the bottom has fallen out. And then they come back and they get uh, a rally at the end of the year. They go on and uh, they won that last game on the road just to become bowl eligible. And then they go on and win a bowl game and uh, part of a four straight bowl victory string. And then the next year they go on to win 13 games in the Rose bowl. So uh, Michigan state has been down this path before. But this is a weird year in the Big Ten. You've got a a West division leader that could go 0-4 against teams from the East. Uh, You've got two unbeaten teams in the East that are going to be playing in Columbus. And I think Michigan's playing better than Ohio State. But uh, no Michigan player who's, uh, I think, before his senior year uh, has been alive the last time they won in Columbus. Uh, what do you make of that the rest of the year? And uh, who's going to be representing the Big Ten East in Indianapolis?
1: I know, right? This past weekend you just saw so many teams. I don't think I can remember seeing the AP poll and the college football playoff picture shake up the way it did this past weekend with yeah. Tennessee and Alabama, with everyone, Alabama, Clemson. And then you even have to consider the way Ohio State looked against Northwestern, yes. and then the week before, yes. the way Ohio State looked against Penn State. And anyone who lives in the state of Michigan is never going to say, oh, the, the Buckeyes look bad. They just looked human, <laughs> which at yeah. this point I yeah. think any team in the Big Ten will take because for so long they felt like they were just out of touch, out of reach, and just superior to other teams in the Big Ten. Um, But the last couple of games, you look at them and the amount of rushing yards that they did give up to Northwestern, and then you compare it to Blake Corum in Michigan, and you're like, okay, wait a second, that might match up. However, like you (laughs) said, I think Columbus is the issue at hand. I think that's going to be a huge advantage for the Buckeyes and will be a huge challenge for Michigan to go to their place and win. I think I covered that game probably in 2018, and... I couldn't just believe how hostile it was there, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just how hostile of an environment it was, and so um, it'll be no different. So, again, you kind of look at the schedules early on, and you try not to look past opponents, but you know uh, the East side's going to come down to that. You know that right. Saturday after Thanksgiving, like we have seen it come down before, but it'll be interesting. It's going to be good, I think. Like you said, I think Michigan. If you kind of look at the way they've been playing, they have been playing better football, yeah. but. And I would never, never count Ohio State out, pretty much ever.
0: (laughs) You make a great point about the venom that I expect uh, on November 26th in Ohio Stadium. And if there's one Mm -hmm. positive to that, it's that Ohio Stadium has separate tunnels.
1: Yes, that is true.
0: That's a plus we have going on. Uh, One of the questions I get a lot from young people and their parents and their grandparents is uh, how'd you get into this business and uh, how do I get into this business? And you must get that a ton from (laughs) young women who look at you as a role model and see your success. And by the way, I'm I'm. Constantly impressed with the questions you ask at these Monday pressers. Uh, uh, We get a lot of them uh, for the coaches, and uh, some are better than others. Let's just say that. So uh, when when you think about uh, how you got into this business and the advice that you would have for aspiring sports journalists, what do you tell them?
1: Well, I'll start with the question asking. That's like the biggest compliment you could pay me because – that is probably the biggest area of focus with my craft is the way I interview and the way I ask questions um, yeah. because I think that is the biggest part of our job that a lot of people just overlook sometimes as well. I've had really, right. really good mentors that have gone into teaching um, me how to ask good questions and craft good questions and search yeah. for knowledgeable answers rather than just the sound bite. So I'll start there. So thank you so much for complimenting me on that. Um, that means a lot. I I got into it the way that I believed that it went, I think, back when I started. Um, I graduated from Lake Superior State with my degree in communication, and then I went on to get my master's in broadcast journalism with a specialization in sports reporting. And I had an advisor there that said you get in by going local and you get get in by going to whatever market will take you. You go to a uh-huh. small market, you pay your dues and you work hard and prove yourself and you'll get where you want to go eventually. So uh-huh. I graduated with my masters from Boston University and then I went a solid nine months without getting a job. And uh-huh. that is applying to everywhere. Louisiana, Alaska, Alabama, everywhere. And I got a, uh, at the time it was a Skype interview call from Rochester, Minnesota. They're a market 151 at the time, and it was a tri-city market with Rochester, Albert Lee, and Austin, Minnesota. And I interviewed over Zoom or Skype, and then I took the job. About two weeks later, I moved out to Minnesota, not wow. ever having stepped foot in the state except once for a volleyball tournament. Um, I knew no one, and that's where I started. And just like I was taught that the industry worked, you put your head down and you worked hard and you did what you needed to do and you kind of just climbed. And I started as a weekend reporter and I went to sports director in Minnesota. After two and a half years, I got a job in Flint where I did the same thing. I did weekends and then I went to sports director for almost a total of two and a half, three years. And then um, some time passed and I got a call from Detroit. So that is how I ended up where I'm at now, which is back home for me.
0: What about your athletic background? You mentioned a volleyball tournament. Uh, Were you a competitive athlete in that sport or another one?
1: Yes, in every sport I could get my hands on, really. Um, I played soccer my whole life. I eventually ran into injuries from soccer and volleyball, so I moved to just doing solely volleyball, knowing I wanted to go to college for it. So I Mm -hmm. went to Lake Superior State University, um, played four years there, and after I was done with volleyball, I really closed the chapter. My knees could not handle it. I had three <laughs> knee surgeries by the time I was done, and I switched oh. to broadcasting. I jumped fully into journalism. Um, people always ask if I play pickup, and I, I have played a handful of pickup games. Um yeah. <laughs> And I love volleyball, but I just really dove straight into journalism once volleyball was done. But. Um, Being an athlete has shaped me into who I am, how I ask questions, how I act with athletes and coaches and everything. So um, I think that's really how I started in it, was just being in sports my whole life, loving sports my whole life. I grew up as the only girl in my family, had Mm all-boy cousins and dads and uncles who were coaches. So um, it was a no-brainer for me.
0: It is a great profession Uh, And if you do it right, it's extremely rewarding. It's also somewhat exhausting if you put in the extra hours and really prepare and critique yourself. And in your case, I think you have some additional demands uh, with a family, right? Uh, You were talking about your son and the doctor's appointment. People forget that these things happen in the real world. How do you juggle everything?
1: I don't know. (laughs) I ask myself (laughs) daily. My husband and I look at at each other sometimes, and we're like, all right, what's this week again? What do we look like? Um, We have an almost two-year-old son. He'll be two in December. And I'm pregnant with another one on the way now. Um, So football (laughs) is going to get really interesting by the end of the year, and and basketball, I'm going to be looking like a basketball. So I'm excited. (laughs) I've loved pregnancy. Um, I have my foot on the gas pretty much. At all times, that's how I live, so I'm kind of used to the chaos, but my husband is the best um, partner, and he's the the reason why we get through all this, so we make do. When you love your job, you make it work, and obviously family's number one, and I have a great team at Channel 7. Brad is the greatest, you know, work partner I could have, so he's a family guy, too, so he gets it.
0: Yeah, I spent some time with him. Uh, down in Winston-Salem last year. Yeah, and, uh, yeah he's he's great. He's a, He'd be someone that I would want to work with, so uh, I think that I you mean, probably have a great team there.
1: Yes, Brad and I have talked about working together for probably 10 years. <laughs> I uh, interned at Channel 7 when I was a junior in college, and that was Brad's first year in the business. And I admired him ever since then. He won't take any credit for any of that. But I have... <laughs> I have kept my eye on him and watched what he does and how he does it, how he tells stories since I met him. When I was in Minnesota, I remember, like, I I watched everything he did because he did it the right way. And, I mean, for me to get the chance to work with him always was a goal. And when the job opening came up at Channel 7, both of us just knew it would be a really good fit. And he's great. He makes me better. He pushes me. I learn from him still every day. And, I hope I maybe do a little bit of the same to him, (laughs) but again, you know Brad, he takes no credit for anything, but he's an incredible partner, so I'm really lucky.
0: One of the most important things in this profession, Gina, or maybe any other, is to know what you don't know. And uh, there are a lot of people uh, who think that they invented the craft, and then they usually wind up out of it. But uh, for people who understand that you're always learning. You're always growing. Those are the people that you're going to see down the road, and uh, they're going to leave a legacy. So uh, I'm, I'm glad to, to see your attitude with that. And uh, as we, you know, you see that with uh, the different things you do, and you're going to be involved with, uh, hey, a couple teams now that might be going to bowl games. I don't know with your pregnancy if that will include you. But uh, you're going to have uh, a lot of things to keep you busy moving forward, too. So, uh, congratulations. Yeah, i
1: streaming my way uh, to any bowl game or to any, to any tournament game. I'm due at the end of March, and I was talking about yeah. the Big Ten tournament, and my producer looked at me. He's like, How pregnant are you going to be then? <laughs> so buckle me down somewhere before I say no to anything. So, as long as I'm feeling uh, good, I'm there. <laughs>
0: you and and Brad, neither one of you are going to be on the aircraft carrier this week, are you?
1: No, unfortunately not. I wish. <laughs> you know Brad and I... I know Audrey I guess, uh, uh, Dahlgren is going to
0: go from, from yeah. Channel 6, but uh, yeah. there'll be a small handful of us there, uh, leaving yeah, that's on Wednesday. Incredible. So Yeah had a chance well, to you do that.
1: A, you need a field <laughs> so you let me know.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, I'll call you right away, yeah. Uh, I think back uh, 11 years ago, Cheetah, and uh, I was not going to go on that trip. I just had um, some cancer surgery. I was recovering, and it was, everything was fine, but I wasn't feeling like I was really up to, to walking around an aircraft carrier. And I kind of got shamed into going, and it was one of the best trips I've ever had. And uh, amazingly, uh, the media corps is seated right courtside. Uh, and here comes Barack Obama. And he's such a basketball <laughs> fan. He didn't want to talk to the military officers anymore. He came over. He starts asking us about the teams and walking by. And, you know, it, it was amazing to see the reaction of the servicemen on the ship. And this was like uh, Christmas and, and New Year's Eve and everything. All rolled into one. Tom Izzo said that take the jaws of life to pry him out of that game when it was going to be played. So.
1: Yeah, he loves playing in those memorable games, and the aircraft carrier certainly is one of those.
0: Yeah. Hey, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you uh, for having really me. Really appreciate Anytime. it. Yeah, uh, I'll give you a call back. I promise.
1: You got it. Thank you so much. Right. Have a good night. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early